You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Hello again from Sprott Money News. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up, and I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, happy Friday. And happy Friday to you. Great to be on the line. Uh, I was thinking on Wednesday we may not have many interesting things to talk about, and we might have been heading for a decline in uh, precious metals in the markets and so on, but uh, here we are on Friday, and uh, it's been a pretty prosperous week, so... Uh, let's hope we can keep the trend together. Let's keep it going. Yeah, we had even had an up share the, in the up week in the shares so far this week as well. So, but we'll see what Friday brings. It has been a fun week, though, Eric. We had the interesting news this week out of the FOMC: the decision that instead of four rate hikes this year, they're they're only on schedule to give us two, and we'll even see about that. What do you make of all of the news from back on Wednesday? Well. I mean, I look at the U.S. economy. I've never been a bull on the U.S. economy, as you know. And, you know, you look at industrial production, which I think was down 0.5%, and uh, some of these various indices, the ISMs and things like that that come out. The JOLTS report uh, yesterday, which is the job openings, was much weaker than expected. I don't believe the the, the monthly numbers that the Bureau of Labor Statistics provides for jobs. We know that tax revenue from withholding taxes on people's paychecks are down. We know that personal income was down. We know that work week was down. Like I just don't see any economic recovery here. And I'm sure that the Fed, notwithstanding the 4.9% supposed unemployment rate, and now inflation at 2.3%, they still didn't pull the trigger because I think even they know better than believing that data because I think it's flawed. So I'm not, I'm not surprised as I'm sure the market wasn't surprised that they didn't raise rates and you know, reduce the, the four to two and we'll see whether we get the two or not. So uh, there's lots of reasons that the gold market's strong. And that's just, just another one, but you know, normally the, uh, the traders love banging gold when the FOMC says anything, but there really was not, there was no reason to bang gold. So it, it had a very, very strong rally. Sure did. And seems to be based on still continuing positive fundamentals. I, you know, one thing that really caught my eye this week was an interesting story about Munich Re, which is a reinsurance, which is a very big uh, European reinsurance company and, and their desire to own physical gold. And the reason giving given is the fact that there's negative interest rates anywhere. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Craig, it's a stunning development. It's just the most stunning development you could imagine. Just think of, you know, other guys running insurance companies and they're watching what Munich Re is doing. Let's presume that Munich Re might be up in their, in their goal. Maybe they're up 10% this year while interest rates are zero. And of course, insurance companies got to produce a return and reinsurance companies got to produce a return. And pension funds have to produce a return. And I think it kind of opens the gates or opens the eyes of people looking at it, but here's a company that's kind of figured it out. That negative interest rates uh, have to make you move somewhere. The other thing they were doing is stockpiling cash, by the way. Mm-hmm. Currency, literally currency. And uh, that's what NERP makes you do. So I and imagine the money. If corporations came into the gold market, how big it would be. It would be stunningly impressive. So I think it's a it's it's another hole in the dike. You know, you got to put another finger in there, and now we got, you know, we got central banks buying, we got uh, individuals buying, we got pension. The, the investors are buying, and now the companies are buying. Wow, 
it, uh, it looks good from here. Makes it even tougher for these banks to feed the gold to wherever they need to to keep their scheme going. Uh, regarding that scheme, Eric, I, I just want to get your opinion quick, and then I want to ask you about silver. You know, there's this kind of tug of war on one side. There's guys like me that have looked at these uh, commitment of traders reports for for years, and we just see trends. I, you know, whether the data is accurate or valid or not, I just see trends, and I, you can yeah. plainly kind of spot trends and see how price follows the movements within those reports. But then there's folks that say, I just disregard them altogether. I think everything's so strong, we're just going to keep going. What? How, where do you stand on all of this, Eric? Do you? Do you, are, do you sure. Well, Craig, I tell you one thing. I sure look at the reports. Okay, mm-hmm. I want to see what the flow is too, because you're absolutely right that. Every time the commercials get hugely short, and in fact, the converse is true with the hedge funds get hugely long, the commercials try to force a reversal, and they've been very, very successful. You know, wash, rinse, repeat. You know, they just yep. they just clear the table every now and then. The one thing that might be a little different this time is because there are very, very low inventories of both silver and gold at the COMEX. Uh, we see this incredible buying of, uh, of the gold ETFs. I think we're now up to something like 270 tons year to date. But they went through the analysis, you know, 100 tons a month. I mean, that'd be a net buying of 1,300 tons just in the ETFs uh, versus a 4,000 ton gold market. And to be 1,400, 1,300 ton change from last year, that's impossible. Okay, and for example, overnight, they put another 11 tons supposedly into the uh, GLD. I can almost guarantee you that there's no way they really bought 11 tons. Right. I think what they did is they got a contract from some guy saying that he would deliver 11 tons someday. But I, in 11 ton, we don't even produce 11 tons in a day. Right. Uh, I, I mean, we mine out of ex-Russia, ex-China. 2,200 tons a day, and here the ETF the mine 1,200 of it. That's impossible. So I, I don't really believe the gold. I don't believe the gold's going to the ETF, and I have some experience with that. When we launched our silver trust years ago, I was buying quite a bit of silver at the time, and uh, of course some dealers saying they would deliver it to us, and some of the stuff came in three months later, and it it was produced two months after we had the purchase contract, mm-hmm. and that wasn't a big purchase, probably two or three hundred million. It was no big deal. Uh, which really means you can say you have the gold in your trust, but it's just a promise to deliver. And I just get this feeling that with all the various metrics we see about gold demand, whether it's coin sales or hedge funds buying or Munich rebuying or uh, Stan Druckenmiller having 30% gold in his portfolio, uh, the, the, the currency depreciations going on around the world, um, I just got to believe that there there could be a point here where these guys will be asked for delivery and won't make delivery. That's and of course then they'd well I'm not even saying they get run over because I think what would happen is the CME would just declare force majeure and settle everything in cash. Okay, and those guys mm-hmm. would get away scot free. But I mean I think the shorts the shorts the gross shorts not the net shorts the gross shorts are something like fifty billion short. Yep. Well, you know, when gold goes up 2% a day, somebody just lost a billion dollars. So there's some serious losses going on here. we got an, an over 800 million short position in silver. Uh, it's just pushing through 16 here. Guys are losing a lot of money. I think silver is probably going to be tighter than uh, gold. But I, I just don't believe they're really receiving the gold. That's my honest 
do right now. Yeah, and that's based on your experience. And so I've, I'll go along with based that. Based on my experience and, and based on the logic, well, where do you just pick up 11 tons like that? Yeah, exactly. You know, new guy in the market, I want 11 tons of gold. Well, excuse me, the gold market was in Dallas last year. How do you think you're going to get, you know, come in and buy 270 tons? Yep. Not, not, not going to be easy. Well, let's, let's focus on silver in our remaining time this week, Eric, because there's been a lot of hand-wringing in 2016 as it's not kept up, if you will, with the advancing gold. But finally, we're seeing this week uh, commodities in general rally. Crude oil is rallying. Copper has moved through its 200-day moving average for the first time in nearly a year, and it's providing almost a tailwind to silver to finally make some, some newer highs above 16. How do you feel about even the paper silver market at this point? Well, I feel great about it. Not that I feel great about the paper market, but I feel great about the, the physical market. I mean, we've had days when, you know, the ETS will add uh, 100% of what was produced in silver that day. I mean, we only produce about two and a half million ounces a day, and the ETS will throw in two and a half, three, four, five million ounces a day. <laughs> yep. Well, again, I go back to how, how can you buy 100% of the world's silver production for an ETS when most of the silver is supposed to go to industrial applications? So, Again, that looks great. I, my view on silver is we, we have a beautiful cup and handle there that broke out about 15, 60 or 65, something like that. It once rallied to 1585 earlier in the week, then they just killed it that day because I think it was ready to go anyway. Yep. And then, of course, on Thursday, it popped up uh, over 16. And uh, that seems to be, it's more of a round number uh, that people think is resistance, but I think we've broken, we've broken through our resistance here. I think silver will go and it's such a small market, Craig. I mean, we've got 800 million ounces of silver. It's a $12 billion market. What is $12 billion in this world? I mean, yeah. it comes in to buy. You know, guys press buttons and buy billions of dollars of things with just the press of a button. So if people, you know, first of all, the sales are great for coins and other things that we can monitor. But if the investors come into precious metals, which it certainly looks like they're doing, and they start buying silver, my goodness, the price could uh, could really get going. I think silver will be, and I've always thought it would be the investment of this decade versus gold was the investment of the last decade. It's slow getting off the mark here, but uh, I think all the signs are kind of pointing in that direction. So I, I think silver's going to take a run here, and I think it'll be a substantial run. And if you, if it starts moving up and, and more people start buying, I mean, it's such, we're in such a fine balance between supply and demand that, this thing could uh, could get on fire, and and you still have the guy short eight hundred million ounces. What are they going to do? Right. And I, so, and I, so I'm hoping that that they lose this one. In other words, that the physical market makes them cover their shorts. And what do you make of that gold silver ratio in the historic nature of of where it is at present? Does that kind of bolster your argument too? Totally. I mean. I always look at the U.S. Uh, mint sales every month, and what we have around four or five million ounces of silver last month, and we had about a hundred thousand ounces of gold, something like that. So people bought forty to fifty times more silver than gold, forty to fifty times, and we produce eleven times more silver than gold, and most of it's not available for investment. Coins are an investment; it's a representative of the investment community. So. I just I, I just see that um, th- this ratio of 80 to 1, which has got up to 83, I think now it's below 80, it's just going to come crashing down here. We should get, we really should be at a ratio of more like 15 to 1 based on 
based on production. So how they've ever engineered it to go up to 80, I have no idea, because the physical data, and then you could go to the Perth Mint or the Royal Canadian Mint, i.e. you have different constituencies buying it, and you'd still see numbers like that. So the world is buying it at 50 to 1. How can the price stay at... Uh, at 80, at 80 to 1, it's ridiculous. It should be 15 to 1 or even less than that, quite frankly. A good example of just how extreme this uh, this pricing system has has driven us to. Pretty remarkable stuff. Eric, it is always good to talk to you. It'll be interesting to see what the next week holds. But before we get there, I yeah. hope you have a great weekend. That's, I, I hope we have another uh, great week. It's been good so far, Craig. Let's try to keep it up. We'll try to keep going. And uh, so thank you very much for your time. And thanks to everyone for listening. And from all of us here at Sprott Money News, have a great weekend.